Good morning. It's January 24th. It's a gray and damp morning in New York City, and this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. The big story is that what everyone knew was going to happen happened, as Donald Trump easily won the New Hampshire Republican presidential primary, beating his lone remaining rival, Nikki Haley, in a contest that was never a contest. The New York Times packages this basically static state of affairs as a standard dynamic narrative event in a standard presidential campaign. Trump continues to roll with win in New Hampshire, the headline says, a reminder that in real life, as opposed to political narrative, momentum is just a subset of inertia. Underneath that, meanwhile, the paper supplies a chillingly fatuous subhead. Haley pledges to press on, but history is on the former president's side. That ponderous voice of God phrasing is simply expressing the trivial and banal observation that no one has ever lost the Republican presidential nomination after winning Iowa and New Hampshire. But that observation is basically meaningless in this case, where Trump's victories in Iowa and New Hampshire are just side effects of the fact that he was always going to win the Republican nomination, barring anything short of death. Nevertheless, the Times insists on writing this up as if it's a normal presidential contest. Donald Trump, the paper writes, defeated Nikki Haley in the New Hampshire primary on Tuesday, continuing his momentum toward the Republican nomination and raising fresh questions about her viability in the race. There are no fresh questions about Nikki Haley's viability in the race. She has none. She never had any. The idea that she was going to give Trump any trouble at all in New Hampshire was based on a fantasy about independents rallying to her side. And if she doesn't quit now, she's going to get slaughtered by Trump in her home state of South Carolina in the next round. Haley, the Times writes, did everything from pouring beers to holding babies as she traveled across New Hampshire, alongside the state's Republican governor, Chris Sununu, who had endorsed her. On a side note, holding babies and pouring beers doesn't seem like a very wide range of activities for a candidate getting out and mingling among the people. They're so non-exclusive, you could do both of them at the same time if you had an even a halfway decent grip on the baby. But the big point here is who cares? Those campaign activities had nothing to do with the outcome or even the process. And to pretend that they did is to pretend that Donald Trump is gathering to himself some kind of legitimacy and the blessing of history as he continues his bid to stomp the concept of democracy into the ground. Elsewhere on the front page, innovative use of gene therapy lets boy here for the first time. A medical miracle story by, well, Gina Colada. The byline that tells you don't bother reading this, let alone believing it, until you see it published somewhere else. Above that, Alabama is planning to try to suffocate a prisoner to death with nitrogen to replace its completely discredited lethal injection system. In the latest version of the fantasy that there's a clean and clinical way to kill a human being, administered under a system of physical domination for the purpose of revenge. In news about vengefulness that your Indignity Morning podcast can completely get behind, in Michigan, the manslaughter trial of Jennifer Crumbly is beginning on charges related to her decision to help her disturbed teenage son get and practice with the gun that he would use to kill four students at school. When a teacher reported seeing the boy searching for ammunition online, the Times writes, his mother did not seem alarmed. While I'm not mad at you, Jennifer Crumbly texted her son, you have to learn not to get caught. There is no way out of the hellscape of gun violence in America without stigmatizing and punishing people who are too stupid and depraved to respect the killing power of guns. Next to the jump on an inside page is the news that an upstate New York jury found 66-year-old Kevin Monaghan guilty of second-degree murder for blasting his shotgun in the dark at a car that was turning around in his driveway, killing a 20-year-old passenger for being part of a group of people that had made a wrong turn. Here, too, is a case where someone just 
didn't have the mental or moral discipline to handle having the power to kill someone. It's going to be just about impossible to get rid of all the guns that have flooded this country, but there's still hope that we can build this social and legal norm that says that when one of those guns gets fired, the person responsible for that gun is gravely and seriously accountable. There's no oopsies with other people's lives. And if you can't handle that fact, you can't handle a gun. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And if all goes well, we will talk again tomorrow.